Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. And we're back. Week two of the college football sprint. Week one was fun, as always. And we're back uh, this week talking about real football, obviously, because we have this big matchup. Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, I've been reminiscing quite a bit. I watched the Eddie George play the other day where he just took off and left everyone behind him with uh, with Orlando Pace <laughs> carrying the load. Uh, that was a fun clip. But uh, there's a lot. Of, there have been a lot of storylines. This has been the, the big storyline in the offseason, mainly because Marcus Freeman doesn't seem to want to keep his mouth shut. Um, <laughs> Uh, in talking about the school that uh, allowed him uh, to come play and uh, get into the NFL and then get some head coaching jobs. I don't know if he would have these positions if he wasn't at Ohio State. I find it fun, though, on one hand. It's, it's, I'm not annoyed by it because he is the head coach at Notre Dame. It is good to see a little shit talk for him to, to, uh, to, to be able to do some of these things. But at the end of the day, you got to back it up on Saturday, right? <laughs> that's it that's it you got to back you can talk to talk as long as you walk the walk right yeah they're uh they're 17 and a half point underdogs that seems like a bit of a spot to me that seems like a little aggressive with the line how do you feel about that zach yeah i think it's ohio state fans pushing the money i mean ohio state this is what happens and i, I just said on my show today like ohio state fans need to just take take a drink of water and sit back and remember how they felt and talked going into the Oregon game because it's exactly the same as now, right? That they, that Oregon wasn't going to be able to be on the field. This defense was going to be so much better in year two. They switched, you know, roles. Who's calling Who's calling the defense? All this stuff that was media-driven headlines of the offseason to hype up Ohio State, right? And the fan base fell into it and didn't realize that the same defense was going out on the field, right? Yeah. This year, we got a new whole new regime. So you'd like you you're hopeful that this defense will be something that we can hang our hat on and be proud of, but there's no indication of that yet. Like some training camp reports, the reporters aren't there at practice. They are there for the first five minutes, right? And the, the coaches aren't going to say our defense is outstanding or our defense sucks. They're never going to say that. So we collectively have no knowledge on how good this defense is going to be. It's just a hope, right? And yep. so I think Ohio State fans are pushing that line. I think I think if you're talking about gambling, I think the play is definitely Notre Dame plus 17 and a half. Um, but I do think Ohio State wins, right? So it's it's kind of both sides. Yeah, when you see a line that steep, though, you maybe you wonder like, yeah, what what does Notre Dame have over there? And that's that is the same question, right? They yeah. seem to have have lost uh, quite a bit. Uh, are they starting a new quarterback? This yes, year? they have a new quarterback, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it, it, it honestly might make them a more lethal team because he's a dual dual threat guy. The kid they had last year, Jack Cohn, was a statue. I mean, he was like Peyton Manning, but not as good, right? He couldn't yeah. move at all. And he was, he was an efficient passer, but this kid is a five-star, all everything. I mean, it'd be the equivalent of C.J. Stroud stepping on the field. Maybe not as good, but as far as the the hype, right? Yeah. He's all everything quarterback that now is a dual threat so they can open up the offense and do the RPOs and quarterback run stuff. And so they're going to be a little more dynamic offensively, even despite the fact that they lost their starting running back. I mean, 
It's, I mean, this kid, so this kid was not the starting quarterback last year, but was the second leading rusher on the team behind their starting uh, running back last year. So the, the good news for Notre Dame fans is they were struggled early last year because they had to replace four three-year starters on the offensive line. By the end of the year, the offensive line was playing better, and that whole group, all five of them, are back this year. So they should have a really strong line. The quarterback's talented. I mean, coming on the road, your first game in the horseshoe is not going to be the easiest test in the world. And I think they got a couple kids that are decent on the perimeter. So offensively, I think they got a chance against this defense. Yeah, and I think, you know, I always find it um, interesting, right, when, when one side is talking this much shit. And for the most part, Ryan Day has been silent. And that always is always uh, usually a sign that he's got some stuff, some special stuff cooked up to, to, to let the talking happen on the field. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, put Marcus Freeman in his in his place, like <laughs> Ohio State is still your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because they Ohio State Notre Dame feels like a rivalry just because of lo- yeah. you know, just because of location, the region, and, and the Midwest. But Ohio State's only played Notre Dame six times, yeah. ever. And Notre yeah. Dame won the first two meetings in 1935 and 36, and hasn't won since. So it's been almost a decade of never beating Ohio State on a football field. Uh, not a decade, a century. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I I feel like I was alive for all six of those times. Like, <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, they, Ohio no. State won the first one in '95 and yeah. won in '96. Won in the bowl game. Won in two bowl games, two Fiesta bowls. Mm. Yep. yep, that'll do it. That'll do we, it. We we played uh, Brady Quinn in one of those and mm-hmm. uh, demolished that team. Fun fact, uh, I actually grew up in the same neighborhood, went to the same uh, high school as Brady Quinn. Years apart, years apart, but that was the claim to fame at the time. Well, my claim to fame was I, Brady was my quarterback, and I dated his sister. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, you, so, so, so somebody got your sloppy seconds. AJ <laughs> Hawkins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, AJ Hawkins. Oh, man. Wow, yeah, man. I did not know that, Zach. The the the, the yeah, Dublin roots run deep over here. Right, she's all. <laughs> she's a really really nice girl. She's awesome though. Yeah. Um. Nice. So nice. with with a game like this, like, does it actually is it actually going to impact the rest of the year, or is it just going to be a you know fun way to kick off the season? I mean, you know, it's obviously going to be a, a barometer for for what happens next and in the future. But it's an early test. You know, it's one of those games where as long as it's a close game, both whoever loses is still alive in the playoff race. I mean, Notre Dame's schedule's absurd towards the end of the year. They got to play USC in their last game, and they have they have a number of tough games. BYU's not going to be a cakewalk because they're going to be good this year. So I think if Notre Dame loses a close game and wins out, they are, they're still a playoff team. And Ohio State, similarly. I mean, I think if Ohio State loses a close game, it's certainly going to be you know, a blemish on their record. But if they can rattle off the rest of the, the season and beat Michigan in that last game and win the Big Ten, I think they get in. So it's it's a great test f- for both programs, and it's going to be a fun atmosphere. But I, I, outside of a blowout, I mean, I don't think it's season-ending, like like a late-season loss is. Like, we, you lose to Michigan last year, and you knew it was all over. I mean, granted, yeah. they had a loss before, but it's just not as impactful. You think we're going to see, like, uh, a little bit, of messy football, a lot, lot more turnovers this game than we're used to seeing? No, you shouldn't. That, that, that usually happens in bowl prep. So so turnovers, as long as they're being you know prioritized and well-coached, turnovers usually happen because of 
you know, you, you, you let the little things go down the stretch, right? Maybe late in the year or bowl prep is huge because, co- you know, not, not a lot of coaching going on because you're on the road recruiting. They're having practices without the, the position coaches. Usually coming out of training camp, the teams that emphasized it and coached it really hard have really good ball security. Mm-hmm. But that being said, if you look at last weekend, Nebraska, Wyoming, Hawaii, every team that lost the game lost the turnover battle. So that was my in my show today. My number one key to winning this game is you have to win the turnover battle. And it's funny because all this hype around Jim Knowles' defense, Ohio State finished 36th in the country last year at takeaways, like getting the ball from mm-hmm. the offense. And they t- finished tied for 36th in the country with Oklahoma State. Yeah. So Jim Knowles' defense is not some turnover-creating machine, right? It yeah. is just – it is just, now it's – it's, you talk about run game, pass game, like yards per play. Now it's a whole different argument. But when it comes to disrupting the ball, Oklahoma State didn't disrupt the ball a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and the question I have, Zach, is, is this reality, right, is that Notre Dame is always in the conversation, but they haven't been good enough since since – you know, Lou Holtz was walking the sidelines, probably. and But they still continue to get this hype. You know, Brian Kelly got it, but never could win big games. It seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm behind Marcus Freeman. He talks the talk, obviously, but he's never been a head coach before. What is the reason for so much optimism that they will be better under Marcus Freeman than they were under Brian Kelly? I, I always point at recruiting, right? You, you, if you look at how Brian Kelly recruited, he recruited well. He didn't recruit like Alabama or Ohio State. He recruited well. He averaged seven players in the top 200 in every class. That was his average, right? So he brought seven top 200 kids in every class of whatever, 25. Marcus Freeman right now has 11, right? So he's already, and it's not even over yet. He's going to get two or three more. So he'll double the number of top 200 players that he brings into Notre Dame. So I think that in the long term, they're definitely going to be better than under Brian Kelly just because of personnel. I mean, you look at Ohio State, they signed 15 in the top 200. That's what you have to do to win that massive matchup, right? Like yeah. Notre Dame is going to go 10 and 2. They yeah. cuz they are really a really good team, but That's, can they, Yeah, can they push it over the the top, right? Can yeah. they get it over the top? And the reason they haven't been able to is they don't have as good of players. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sorry truth about the right. the, the pro or the professionalization of college football, it's, it's going to get worse. And, well, you know, it's, it's a great point you're making about recruiting, right? Because, the, the cry, you know, the crybaby Notre Dame and Michigan fans are always like, we can't recruit the same type of kids that these other schools can because our standards are so high, blah, 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 blah. Marcus Freeman has come in and shown that you can recruit at Notre Dame. Um, so it just seems like that doesn't really hold water. No, it was always an excuse. There's always excuses. Like back in the day, people say, oh, they, I lost them because they paid that kid. It's like, no, they didn't. You lost them because <laughs> you lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you, do you have like a, uh, a kind of, I mean, obviously the turnover battle, but maybe like a keys to the game for Ohio State? Well, it's going to be the quarterback run. Um, they, they got it. This, this kid's a dynamic dual threat runner. They're going to try to run him more, more than they would like to because it's his first game starting in the horseshoe, all the elements, right? So they're going to try to run the quarterback because, one, because quarterback runs are lethal on defenses. So they're going to have to stop that. And the good news is that is where Jim Knowles' defense thrives. I mean, he, he had a defense that went against Caleb Williams last year, one of the more dynamic running quarterbacks in the country. And the kid averaged 1.9 yards per carry. So he knows how to snuff that out. So if they, but if they can get that going and then 
they, they just have to play a sound game. If they don't turn the ball over and they can tackle well, they're going to be in this game at the end, right? And you look at some of the woes on defense that we're hoping are fixed, right? If all of them are fixed, and we have a top, and Ohio State has a top five defense, Ohio State's going to win the game handedly. But that's not guaranteed, right? Speaking of uh, dual threat quarterbacking, do you think uh, there's been any <laughs> emphasis this year on C.J. Stroud actually running the ball when the pocket breaks down? <laughs> I, 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 I know it's been discussed. I know they've talked to him about it. I kind of want my – my dog has a shot collar. I want to be in the stadium with him with a shot collar on and like as he goes and he doesn't run, just, just shock him and make him go. Because like, if he just did it once or twice, he would he – would, add it to his game because he can he's a he's an athlete like we saw it his freshman year he came in for justin fields and ripped off like a 70 yard run the the threat alone makes it much yes. harder to defend the team and that's yeah. that's what's frustrating because it doesn't seem like he's slow or a statue he can move so maybe that's, that's it right there like you you just have to show people you will and at the at the absolute peak of my ranting last year about him scrambling I turn on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady scrambled 12 yards for, for a first down. And I almost, I almost broke my TV. I was like, Tom Brady is doing it. Like you don't want to be a running back. Tom Brady's the greatest to ever play quarterback. And he's the worst athlete ever. Come on. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's such a great point. I remember you going on that rant, right? <laughs> leading into the Michigan game too. Just saying that's what it's going to take. But you know, I, I will say, uh, I don't remember if he ran it or not in the Rose Bowl, but I, I remember seeing a, a, a different level of toughness out of him than we had seen through the season. It's just a confidence in the spot that, you know, he didn't show last season. So I'm curious what that, like, swagger, this new kind of C.J. Stroud will, will look like. For sure. He, he, he had one big scramble in the Rose Bowl game, and it got called, and it was for a touchdown. I, I think it was for a touchdown, but it got called back because of a penalty, so it didn't count, but he still did it. Like did. I watched it. He did yeah. it. And still psychologically it impacts the defense. Oh yeah. Even There's if no they that flag, it impacts the defense. Right. Yeah. That's yep. fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping for a uh Travion Henderson Eddie George side by side coming out of this game, Travion Henderson taking off with Notre Dame's defenders behind him. That'd be yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> that would be really cool. It is it's insane to me the level of consistency that especially Ohio state performs with year over year, but really anyone at these top tier programs, like there is not margin for error. You have to bring it every single time. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. And, but that's, it goes back to, it always goes back to personnel, right? The teams that are year in year out recruiting at a high level are always going to have the clay. And then if you're half worth half a shit as a coach, you're going to put at least a 10 and two season together at a place like Ohio state. Right. I mean, a, a ten and two right now would feel like an epic failure at Ohio State, but that's some team's ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's our floor. I Absolutely. mean, it seems like NIL is also potentially leveling the playing field a little bit on recruiting. You actually can't pay players now, so <laughs> it's going to see. We're going to see some changes, and hopefully, honestly, I would like to see a more competitive landscape. You know, other than the same three or four schools every year. Um, it would be nice to see uh, a more depth, you know, more depth in terms of co competition. And it's from strictly a recruiting standpoint, it seems like it's already starting to take effect. Obviously, with Texas Texas A and M standing out the most uh, yeah. amongst amongst kind of these schools in the next tier that are potentially rising. Other other matchups that are interesting this this weekend 
include the Oregon-Georgia matchup, and I'll let you fill us in on all the intrigue surrounding that matchup. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's it, it's interesting because Oregon obviously has recruited. You know, I won't. They're not not as well as Georgia or Ohio State or Alabama, but they've recruited really well. So they have a talented roster coming into Atlanta, and they have two guys that are really familiar with Georgia. Right, one was their defensive coordinator that put together that generational defense that we watched them win a national championship. Dan Lanning is now the head coach at Oregon, and they got a quarterback in Bo Nix who played Georgia when he was the starting quarterback at Auburn. I mean, he's he actually started as a freshman, and his kind of coming out party was against Oregon. He threw a last second touchdown to win it. And now he's the starting quarterback at Oregon. It's just wild how, it, how the whole landscape, but it's going to be a good game. You got two really good football teams playing in, in two really good games, four really good teams playing on the first Saturday. That's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a competitive game, but you also had mentioned, you know, Florida, Utah, the way that they're hyping up Utah, it yeah. seems like Utah should win this game, but they are going to Florida, right? Uh, it's very different from being in Salt Lake City than Gainesville, the, the greenhouse that is Gainesville, Florida, that I lived in for five years. They will, uh, I promise you this, they will have IV bags. They will be falling. Utah Ute players will be falling out because it's going to be suffocatingly hot. That ball <laughs> uh, slippery too, right? When it gets so humid out. Oh, yeah. It's real, it's real grass. Wait, let me see. So the game's at seven. So they get, they get sunset. At about eight, so they'll, they'll they'll get a little relief, but yeah, it's real grass. It's it's not turf. I mean, it's it's really a tough place to play, especially if you're from out there. I remember I remember we played Hawaii. Even sometimes Tennessee would come down week three, and it was like they couldn't breathe. Wow, wow, that's crazy. I mean, we all know how hot Florida gets in in the summertime. Yeah, and, and I used to tell people, unless you've been maybe Orlando, but not Orlando. Gainesville is so is is so inner is so far from the the coast. You get no breeze from the ocean. You get nothing. It is truly a greenhouse of Straight death. swamp. Straight yeah. swamp. You are. I mean, it's <laughs> called the swamp because not because the stadium. Right. It feels like you're in the swamp, like all over the city. <laughs> <laughs> we also um, one other matchup uh, that's interesting to me is Cincinnati and Arkansas. Yeah, uh, loved loved what Cincinnati did last year. Loved seeing them. Um, you know, obviously get get a little stomp there at the end of the season, but it was like a bright spot uh, for for Fickle, who I know we all root for. Arkansas consistently like a pretty good team. Um, I think this is a really interesting test to see if Cincinnati just had a really good class last year, if they're really really that kind of program now. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, you know, they lost Devin Ritter. They lost <clears throat> both of their corners that are NFL going to be NFL starters. They lost a lot. But Luke Fickle's done a great job. He's building a program. So are they? And Arkansas is one of my hot the teams I'm hottest on because I love Sam Pittman and what he's doing there. They are yeah, tough as shit. They run the football. I mean, he's an old school kind of fat guy that you know, not sloppy fat, but just big guy. And he he, he I, it's going to be an perfect, interesting test. He's the perfect fit for that program. If oh, you were to perfect. say, what does Arkansas football coach look like? <laughs> like if I saw him on the street, I'd be like that fucking guy, that yeah. one right there. <laughs> But yeah, I, I love him too. I watched a couple games last year. Love his energy, love his enthusiasm, and love how he's building the program. I am excited to really see Cincinnati become a that second powerhouse school in Ohio because with with the recruiting bed, everything they should be good, right? Um, and they should be able to make this make this more consistent, especially with how Fickle develops players, specifically on the defensive end of the ball. We will see um, 
how how that goes and maybe cincinnati will end up in the sec so <laughs> well, what's, what's going to be what i'm really excited about we had a kid named gavin prater that was a walk-on receiver when i my you know my last year at ohio state he ended up transferring to cincinnati um and i don't know that he played but his little brother ended up being the number two dual threat quarterback in the country his name's evan prater and cincinnati got him he went he went to cincinnati his brother was playing there luke fickle the whole deal and it's it's going to be his coming out party. Like, is this kid really? I mean, four star prospect. Like, they just replaced, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in school history with probably the highly most highly touted quarterback to ever go to Cincinnati out of high school. So it'll be it's going to be fun to watch. It's just a lot of you know they're going against a hell of a team, but I think Cincinnati's got more of a chance than people are going to give him credit for. Yeah. Sh- shifting the conversation here from good coaching and good recruiting. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 talk a little bit about the Scott Frost decision over the weekend on Saturday. It was I just didn't understand it. You you know, kick there just scored a touchdown. They kick an onside. <laughs> Northwestern recovers and drives down for a touchdown. It's like I understand the whole element of surprise, but you're up 10 points in the toward the end of the third quarter. It literally makes zero sense to do it there. What yeah. could you could you shed some some knowledge here on if there's any logical explanation for a decision like this? Listen, so I agree with what he said in the press conference, right? They just came out, they they got the ball to start the half, they scored a touchdown, right? Northwestern got the ball back, they forced a fumble, they got the ball back, scored a second touchdown. So they just the momentum was reeling so hard in their favor, that that is a great time to try to end it. Just cut the head off, right? If you have something, you have a trick up your sleeve, some something you saw on film, and you want to take that shot right there to try to end the game, I'm all for it. I don't think it's a bad decision. Here's the problem. It's Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald's one of the finest football coaches when it comes to details, fundamentals, and doing your job in America. There is no chance that that kid was retreating early to go block on kickoff return. If you watch the clip, I watched it like 10 times. That kid, when that ball is kicked, he doesn't even take a a false step backwards. He doesn't even take half a step backwards. That ball is kicked, and he goes shooting forward to recover it. It Just the confusing thing is, what did they see that made them think it was going to fucking work? Yeah. (laughs) I I don't even care if you – it doesn't matter the scenario. Why would you give do a surprise on side if, if you didn't see something that said, oh, this kid's leaving early. Holy shit, we might be able to do it. The kid never left early once. Yeah. It's just do so you, dumb. Do you think these decisions come because we know the pressure cooker for every coach at a, a program with big expectations, whether or not it's still valid for Nebraska to have those expectations, they are there. Scott Frost did build a reputation as the potential savior for the program. How much do you do – does that pressure factor into decisions like this and games like this? I mean, you'd like to say it doesn't, but I'm sure, you know, every game is a must win now, right? He's coming into this year. He knew he had to have a massively successful year to to save his job. And I I think it's just so poetic, right? That he gave up play calling duties, right? He hires Mark Whipple from Pitt. The offense looked pretty good. Other than the fact the receivers couldn't catch a ball, and don't get me started on the fact they had two white receivers on the field. I've never seen that at a big-time college football field. Maybe one, but two? Come on. I mean, what are we talking about? But outside of that, it was, it was, it was a well – everything looked good on offense. He gave up play-calling duties, and he called one play in this game, and that was the surprise on side, and he fucked it up. He, he could have called no plays, and they probably would have won because after that, they were at 28 points. They didn't score a point the rest of the second half. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Hopefully they recover. You know, you never want to see somebody lose a job. That was a competitive game and a good football game. So I enjoyed watching it. Hopefully they recover as a program and, and, and the team has a good, good finish to the season. You never want to see that be the way they go out. And they got the perfect opportunity in three yeah. weeks. They, they play Oklahoma. Like if they can upset Oklahoma is right back on track, have one loss in the big 10. No problem. It was first game of the year in Ireland. Like you can blame it all on all kinds of shit. Yeah. So do, you, uh, do you want to make a couple uh couple picks v and zach let's go a couple, uh, couple predictions for the weekend yeah. i think we should definitely predict obviously ohio state or dame but i think we should also do georgia and oregon that sounds good to me i can't start though i have no context i'm gonna <laughs> go off of you guys <laughs> uh, i've got i've got ohio state um Winning by two touchdowns. I don't think they cover the spread, but I think they win by two touchdowns. See, that's where I'm at. So I always, I always, I always leverage Vegas, right? Because you know who knows? You know the only only entity that I think knows more than me about football when it comes to picking, or not just me, just coaches, right? Co- people that invested their life in the game yeah. is Vegas. I used to be a coach, and I and I would look at a spread, and I'm like, they think we're going to win by thirty. This team's pretty good, and then we blow them out by thirty-five, yeah. and I'm like, how the hell did they know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I look, at, I look at Vegas, and if you look at their over/under at fifty-nine and the spread at eighteen, they think Vegas thinks the final score will be thirty-nine to twenty, Ohio State, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of with UV. I think that that the lines have been pushed by Buckeye Nation that are just so excited for this team and this new defense that I have it more like. Uh, 31-21, more a 10-point win than an 18-point win. But I do think Ohio State wins by double digits. And if you're going to beat Vegas, you're going to beat them early in the season, right? Before oh, yeah. they figured everything out. Well set. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I think Ohio State has the opportunity to win by a lot if they just get it cooking on offense. Will they get it going the early the season? I don't know. I have it probably 35-21, to 21. so right like in that 14-point. So I, I got to throw out, so I'm going to tell you my real prediction because I really went right in the middle of my real prediction because I think the least likely thing to happen is just a comfortable but not blowout 10-point win. I, th- I really think this is going to be an absolute dogfight. Somebody wins by a field goal or Ohio State is just going to explode in the country uh, under the landscape and win by 28. I really think one of those two things will happen. I, I, I That's just, I, I, I don't, my own prediction I think is wrong. <laughs> We win by a crazy amount. I'm watching this game with my girlfriend's family who are Oklahoma fans. I think this has been recorded on the podcast. They're very passionate Oklahoma fans. And as a result, you know, we get into it whenever the flag plant situation gets brought up in conversation. And to watch Ohio State just absolutely smash Notre Dame would be a really nice thing to do with them. (laughs) Yes, it would. Before before we get out of here, though, we do have to we do have to talk about BSI. This is a how could you come up with ESPN is actually going to be releasing a documentary on Bishop Sycamore. We covered them last year. Zach has some some personal experience with Bishop Sycamore, but how appropriate is the name BSI? What is happening with Bishop Sycamore these days? I have no idea. I mean, they just fell off the map. I know that there's a it's, it's not it's relatively new. There is a, a kind of a charter school like that in Columbus now, but it's a legit school. Like it has a campus, it has classrooms, like it's, it's a real one, but yeah. it, it, it popped up. I think I heard about it a year ago and I don't know, there's no affiliation, but I think Bishop Sycamore's dead. 
Did they interview for this? You for this, Zach? No, they didn't interview me. They they contacted <laughs> Jeff Green though, because Jeff Green they they hi were hiring Jeff Green to be like the wideout coach. And after like a week, he was like, "Nah, I don't want any part of this shit show," and he just <laughs> left. And so they reached out to him, but they want to do it all for free. They want to keep all their money. They don't want to pay like people for interviews or anything. So he's he didn't do it. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, sounds like uh, it's ESPN doing it. Yeah, I think it's ESPN, isn't it? V. It is ESPN. Yeah, it is ESPN. I believe. Yeah. Make it make sense. How It'll about be that? Fun. I'm definitely going to tune in. I want. I, I need to get to the bottom of how they figured all this out. <laughs> before we before we wind this down, can we call uh, Georgia or? Oh, I forgot about that game. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one, man. I'm excited about it. I I've got Georgia blowing them out. I don't I don't trust any Pac-12 team. I don't trust Oregon. Anytime you put them in a matchup against a real team from a real conference, they tend to fold. So. This is a pretty easy pick. I have Georgia. Whatever the spread is, I have Georgia covering it. <laughs> I'm going the opposite side. I think Oregon goes into Atlanta and shows everybody that Georgia is not going to repeat. I think they win the fucking game. Oh, wow. For no, for no logical reason. I mean, Bo <laughs> Nix played in the SEC. Their head coach was the D coordinator, so he, he, he knows the ins and outs of that offense. I mean, there's a number of reasons why it could happen, but no logical reason. I'm just picking it. The yeah. quarterback is the quarterback at Georgia still. I think that's what it is. I think Zach's betting against the quarterback. I mean, that's that's part of it. They, bro, have you ever heard of a team that won a national championship and your best receiver right after the national championship transferred to the team that you just beat for the national championship? Yeah, like, that's, that's never crazy. happened. That's crazy. <laughs> I I think on uh, on my side, this one's a tougher one, obviously, because we we just they're both really similar teams. But uh, I think it's going to come down, and this is a bold bold prediction. I think it's going to come down to literally like the last play. And I genuinely think after throwing three picks in the game, Stetson Bennett is going to throw a 65 yard bomb for a touchdown at the last second to win by like three. Damn. That was very specific. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing I can predict about this. I have no idea how the score is going to come out because they're so, they're so different than they were last year. Both teams. We'll see yeah. how the scores pan out on, on Monday. <laughs> I think I think I'm I think I'm I'm the betting favorite here. That's <laughs> one. True, we're gonna have to create a whole new segment called Parthas Picks. <laughs> Absolutely, awesome! Thanks so much for joining us, Zach. This was fun. No, thanks for having me on, guys. All, All right, right. Man, we'll catch you next week. Enjoy the Have games fun. this weekend. Cool. Good luck on your fancy drafts too. I appreciate it. Rally, boys,